Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is our second episode on TikTok. Kelly and Chelsea here with you, back with more information you don't need unless you have kids. In that case, you definitely need to know all of this. Or if you yourself are on TikTok, this is information that you need to know. So Chelsea and I have spent some time on TikTok doing some research this week for better or for worse. And we've got all of that to present to you today. So I think we should start off by kind of like summarizing our last episode, which was the power of the TikTok algorithm. So unfortunately, children in the U.S. spend an average of 80 minutes per day on the app and kids between the ages of 10 and 19 make up the largest group of users at 32% on the app. Now, TikTok's platform has an algorithm which is infamous for quickly nailing down a person's specific interests. They do this by analyzing how long you linger on a video, what content you create, the comments you post, the settings on your phone, etc. Now, one of the most concerning aspects of the algorithm is its push towards hyper-consumerism, fame, and wealth. These desires work against the character of a believer as they manifest themselves in covetousness, greed, and envy. But furthermore, we were created to worship God, not to be worshipped ourselves. Fame and wealth are just empty lies sold by the enemy. It's an attempt to gain the world, but in the process, you lose your soul. As Solomon poignantly states in Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's vanity. The time I spent all on there, it. I would say it's vanity. We've got a lot more to reveal than just that simple take on TikTok of being vanity. So we're going to be looking at what I would say is like the more hidden or insidious power of that TikTok algorithm. And that's what is happening sort of behind the scenes to the heart and the mind without you even know that it, knowing that it's happening. So take a look at this. We know that influencers, the people who have massive amount of followers and who are very popular on the app, they have the power to convince users to buy certain brands or products. We established that last week. We assume that the influencers that we are seeing genuinely love the product that they're promoting, and they're just delighted to share it with the world. Maybe we are convinced to buy this product or or to use a certain brand because they demonstrated its use and its value so well. Overall, I think when we see videos like this, our tendency is to naturally assume that this influencer is honest, that they are exactly as they appear to be, that their personality that they are portraying is authentic, their words are truthful and vetted, and that their intentions are genuine. It's like, why would they lie? Especially for teenagers, they're thinking, well, this is just a regular person like, like you and me. They just have more followers. So it's the mere fact that like they're self-made, I guess, is what it's, it's like everyday type of person that's an influencer that makes them like a reliable source of information and inspiration. And I kind of think we can find a biblical example of this happening in actually in the church of Corinth. It's in the second letter to the Corinthians. Paul mentions the super apostles who were trying to win over the church in Corinth. They were coming in with a, a different gospel that Paul had preached. And it really is human tendency to follow people who seem important to us or who have values that we find appealing. And today in this generation, values 
that normal everyday people want are words like they you know there's there's catchwords like um authenticity or body positivity or inclusivity excuse me so if a product or an idea was hawked by like an A-list celebrity we might assume that they're just being paid to say these things but since these people are not A-list celebrities they're actually more authoritative because of their quote unquote normalness or perceived authenticity yes absolutely that's exactly it especially for teenagers they are just so naturally drawn to peers. So this subconscious evaluation by teens is critical because they are heavily influenced and motivated um, into their behaviors and their actions by peers. So when they see a peer, they naturally gravitate towards them. And when that peer presents themselves as having knowledge and authority through the confidence that they portray, without much discernment, teens will sort of pledge allegiance to this influencer, both by following them on TikTok and following their views and behaviors. So let's play this out. So a young TikTok user begins following a peer-like influencer. And the powerful and amazing TikTok algorithm, you know, we discussed in episode 88, adjusts to provide more content from that influencer and similar influencers. So since we already know from our last episode that in order to really make it famous as an influencer, you have to post at least four times per day. So this young user is now delivered a whole host of content from that, that one person that they just began following. And more than just the one video, say they were hawking a product that originally intrigued you know, our little young user here to follow that person. Oh, I just, I love that hair product. I'm gonna follow this person. Now, our little young user here is given insight into this influencer's world and more importantly, their worldview. Because four videos a day, that's a lot of content. So if you're a parent who is teaching and instilling a biblical worldview in your children, this should be really concerning because it's not that we don't want our kids to ever be exposed to a different worldview. That is going to happen. It's going to happen naturally just by living in the world. But because the combination of the algorithm and the fame and wealth driven influencer, that results in bad ideas and false ideologies, skewed views of reality, and malaligned values. That's what we're bringing into our children. And the algorithm is going to promote that sort of thing. So, Kel, what you just walked us through makes absolute sense. I can immediately see how this is a problem. But what about the parent who just like isn't convinced that the world at large is bad or is trying to brainwash our kids' minds with the world's values, right? Because we've always had commercials. We've always had newspapers. We've always had advertisements, you know? So this anti-Christian propaganda that's, you know, being promoted through TikTok, how do we, how do we convince that parent? Yeah, well, I think a lot of those parents they feel like it's a losing battle that because the world and every young person is on TikTok, that it's just entertainment. This is just what it is. And I think you're right. There, um, there are a lot of people who just aren't convinced that this is all bad. It's just good old homemade entertainment. And maybe they are not the ones that are listening right now. But my guess is they are the friends of someone who is listening right now. And I think that having all the information that we are going to walk through today to show just how influential on the thoughts and beliefs 
of our young people and how they're developing in the teenage years, um, how important this is, that we can really pull the veil from their eyes. That's right. So as we begin this topic, it's important to remind our listeners of the biblical foundation that we're going to filter all things of this world through, and that includes TikTok. So as children of God, our purpose is to love and worship God and to love our neighbors by serving the kingdom. We're never told to love ourselves. In fact, the word of God tells us to die to ourselves and to put to death our fleshly desire. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells the the church in Ephesus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of our minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Or in Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul, again, under the inspiration of the Spirit, tells the believers in Rome that they are not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their mind so that we can know God's good and perfect will. Nowhere in scripture is the pursuit of self a goal, an ideal, or a command. In fact, the self is very much to be distrusted. The Ephesians passage we just read, Paul says that we can come into our salvation with corrupted and deceitful desires. No one is perfect in pre- or post-salvation, which is why we're called to put to death the old self. In fact, in Romans 8.13, it says that if we're heirs with Christ and walk by the Spirit, then we must put to death the old self. And that phrase, put to death, literally means wage a war against our old self. We're actively sacrificing ourselves, both in body and in the inner man, to walk in purity before marriage is an excellent example of what it means to worship God with our physical body. And then we can sacrifice our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings that would lead us away from God and renew our mind in scripture so that our thoughts, feelings, or beliefs are no longer self-serving, but rather they pursue godly things. They pursue his will. Our bodies and our inner man are not to be sinful and indulging in the flesh, but they should be honoring and glorifying to God. And graciously, God uses us when we are humble and we have surrendered because he hates pride. In 1 Peter 5, 5, God says that he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. When we're prideful, we're just tools for the enemy. Satan's fall was pride. I mean, he deceived Eve with the allure of pride. And he uses pride each and every day on Christians to destroy their faith. Absolutely. That is a beautiful walkthrough of the truth that scripture teaches. This is absolutely what we are to be living out every day. We are called to live differently think differently and love differently. This, like you said, this life of self-sacrifice, it isn't easy, nor is it perfectly accomplished, but it is our goal. We model our lives off of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And every day we course correct in order to be more aligned with his word and his commands, because he is our ultimate influencer. And this is why TikTok and the influencer culture, they're such big issues with our kids. It's more than entertainment. TikTok aims to influence. The influencers aim to influence because their influence validates them. It gives them power and authority. And I mean, yeah, money too. It's like a paycheck. This is pride and pride leads to destruction. And this is so hard for kids, even for adults to recognize whether they're the influencer or the follower. Because I mean, think about it. How is Satan described in 2 Corinthians? He's described as an angel of light. Right? He looks good. He's appealing. It's appealing. Mm-hmm. Whatever he's offering is appealing. It's delightful to behold. 
But the truth is, it's still sin and destruction masquerading itself as beauty. Oh, yeah. It's so funny the word masquerade, because yes, that's, that's exactly what scripture teaches, is that he masquerades himself. And just like so many people on social media mm-hmm. are masquerading themselves as something different, as, as perfect, as whatever it is that they are not their authentic selves, even though mm-hmm. we think that they are. So now I would like to point out a psychological phenomenon that I think can help us understand TikTok and teenagers. And I really do think this is going to be valuable. So stick with me here. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And this is a cognitive bias that causes people to think they are smarter and more capable than they actually are. So the easiest example I can think of to explain this is American Idol tryouts. If at any point in the 20 plus years, I have no idea how long it's been out, a long time, American Idol, you've maybe seen the tryouts. You see these people who, God bless them, cannot sing, yet they are wholeheartedly auditioning. And when they are turned down, you know, they're really upset. But more than that, they don't concede, well, you know, I'm just, I didn't think I was very good, but I thought maybe, you know, I'd try. Instead, they, they infer that the judges don't know a good singer when they hear one. This is the Dunning-Kruger effect at play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think that's what John called the pride of life in First John. Um, in fact, let me read that for us. It's in John 2.16. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And so this poor dude thinks he has an awesome voice, but really he doesn't. But hey. So that's in the spot on. So now I know we always like to evaluate the workings of the mind and heart in relation to scripture. Like I said, I think that this phenomenon will help us as parents grasp why TikTok influencers pose such a problem. And personally speaking, um, there's a graph associated with this Dunning-Kruger effect. And we've used this to help explain life to our children. My husband has a psych degree. Of all the things that he does, it it all originates back from this psych degree. So what can I say? This is what we do. (laughs) So let let me explain this little graph. The graph has knowledge along the horizontal X axis. So we're gonna get a little uh, geometry action going on here. Along the horizontal X axis is knowledge. On the vertical Y axis is confidence. So one might think that there would be a linear line, right? Straight line upwards. Whereas knowledge and confidence are increasing at the same rate. So the more knowledge you have, the more confident you are. Well, that is not the case at all. In fact, the line actually shoots directly vertical early on, indicating little knowledge but high confidence. Then it swoops down in sort of like a U-like parabola, whereas knowledge increase confidence actually decreases sharply, but then slowly starts to increase with more and more knowledge. In the end, the graph ends up looking like a backwards U. Hopefully you can picture this. If not, just, you know, hit pause on the podcast, search up the Dunning-Kruger effect, and I'm guaranteeing you an image of the graph is bound to appear on Google Images or whatever it is that you use. And it's really helpful to see. So one of the researchers who, which the effect is named, is quoted to say uh, this, quote, incompetent people are often blessed with an inappropriate confidence. They are buoyed by something that feels to them like knowledge. Now, we are defining incompetent here 
as just having little to no knowledge. That's where we're using that word at. And the Denning and Kruger, they both suggest that this phenomenon stems from what they refer to as a dual burden. And that is that people are not only incompetent, but their incompetence robs them of the mental ability to realize just how inept they are. Now, I use these quotes not to say that everyone on TikTok falls under this phenomenon. Moreover, falling into the incompetent group does not mean at all that you are stupid or that you have a low IQ. I mean, but most of us can agree that the majority of adolescents do find themselves here in this camp of low knowledge, high confidence. Because TikTok or not, teens so often think of themselves as knowing everything, especially more than parents. Um, They sort of feel invincible, like they can do anything and they'll never get hurt, nor will they hurt anyone else. Well, Dunning and Kruger acknowledge that a contributing factor to this effect is that a little bit of knowledge on a subject can lead people to mistakenly believe they are an expert. And they assert that everyone is prone to this effect. None of us can get away from this because no matter how skilled or informed a person is, everyone has areas in which they are uninformed and incompetent. You know, an example of this is if you Google maybe a medical symptom or a health condition, and then you read about it, and then all of a sudden you like feel like an expert. And you walk into your doctor and you're like, hey, listen, I'm pretty sure I have XYZ because I read it on Google. Let me tell you, your doctors don't like that when when you do that. But it's like little knowledge, high confidence. So we as adults can also fall into this category. And this really leads us back to TikTok, where a little bit of knowledge, a whole lot of confidence, and the time and creativity to make an appealing 15-second video suddenly makes someone an influencer. And this low-knowledge, high-confidence influencer is suddenly influencing the lives of millions of young people, for better or worse. So all of us in general, but especially young people, we are more apt to follow and have faith in someone who has high confidence. The more confident you are, the more you seem trustworthy. This is just a human nature kind of way that we are. But this is really important for us to recognize because It's almost as if this phenomenon becomes contagious on TikTok, where one person with low knowledge and high confidence gives another person a little bit of knowledge, and all of a sudden, they too feel super confident in their knowledge. And so they're making videos. And then the next person is making videos. And remember, this is a dual burden, right? So these TikTokers don't have the mental ability to realize how unknowledgeable they actually are. Oh my gosh. I like facepalmed like multiple times as you read that. I always feel like as as I learn more about theology, I know less. Does that like yes. the like the more I study, the more I learn, I'm like, I actually really don't know anything, do I? Yeah, yeah. it is absolutely true. But you when you get into scripture and you're like, oh, I know this. Like I know the gospel. I know this. High confidence, but low knowledge. And then the more you learn, you realize, oh, wait a second. Wait a hot second. I don't know anything at all. <laughs> I guess that's what being humble and teachable is all about. Yeah. But yeah, this is absolutely how bad ideas and false ideologies propagate, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's consider a few examples of this. Like, okay, makeup tutorials, right? That would be like a fairly neutral one. 
Okay, but they're all over TikTok, and it's probably obvious to everyone that the makeup industry has like exploded since the advent of beauty tutorials on YouTube and TikTok. What used to be like Broadway stage makeup is now everyday use for teens, which can we just do a whole podcast on that? Because like, let's also mention, because I don't think we're going to talk about it anywhere else. I okay. shared with you the new trend yes. of uh, birthing makeup tutorials. This has amassed 80 million followers or 80 million views, excuse me, on TikTok. And it's people who are in the process of labor, of giving birth, and they're pausing to make videos of putting their makeup on to get ready for birth of their child. I think, I think Solomon has something to say to that. Vanity, vanity, vanity. It's all, it's all vanity. Okay. So let's, wow. sorry, I'll go back. But yes, makeup tutorials, yeah. even when you're getting ready to give birth. So we've gotten to the point that young girls, and sadly, I have to mention this, even young boys mm-hmm. at like age five have their own makeup tutorial TikToks. And again, little knowledge, high confidence. Um, another example of this is the POV or the point of view. This trend of videos is meant for the viewer, the one scrolling, to see it from their own eyes. So here you can find all sorts of ideas, but one that we noticed a lot is the bashing of parents and adults, and especially teachers. Now, this of course doesn't really come as a surprise because adolescents make up the majority of users on TikTok. But when we look at it through the notion of bad ideas propagating, this can actually be pretty disturbing when it's made to be seen from the point of view of the one consuming the content. It's essentially beckoning the viewer to agree and to concede that they too feel this way. Mm -hmm. Again, many people push back and say that, well, teenagers have always been bashing parents and adults for generations. This is nothing new. And that's kind of true, but we would actually argue this is new. Because it's completely different than lamenting your parents' lameness with your core group of friends in high school. Because this is coming from a global platform of unknown people and almost zero context. And it's very easy to find common victimhood with someone else who either has like strict parents or mean parents or absent parents or parents who dress too sexy. You name it. And while a mature adult with high knowledge and moderate confidence would laugh off this video, adolescents take it to the heart and they find camaraderie with the hurt of others and then they take it on themselves as well. I think that we can see mental health issues tied all up in this as well. Absolutely. A misery loves company type of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's an example of this. This will help us kind of give us a picture of what we're talking about. It's a TikTok video. It has a young girl, maybe between 21 and 22 years old. She's dressed very nice in what looks like to be expensive clothing and is standing in what appears to be a very nice home. And the words on the screen read, When my parents wonder why I'm not an independent adult, but I grew up being yelled at for being dumb since I was always, quote, doing everything wrong, quote. So now, unless I have clear step-by-step instructions for a task or goal, I'm completely paralyzed. Now, this video has 1.8 million likes, and it has almost been saved a hundred and, wait, am I reading that right? 150,000 times. Wow. And has Mm -hmm. 8,000 comments, over 8,000 comments of agreement. Yeah. Wow. And the hashtags read mommy issues and trauma talk. I just cannot riff with that, Kel. Wow. That's what is content that is like content that 
draws people in. And that's sad. Right. It's very sad. It's very sad. I mean, this is when we talk about like bad ideas and false ideology sticking into our children's hearts. I mean, this is precisely what we mean. Like this viral video could literally be the little bit of like quote knowledge that a young person needs to remember that that one time you yelled at them because they didn't do something and now they understand why life isn't going right for them. And they too can become confidently paralyzed by taking up responsibilities all while blaming mom and dad. Our kids, especially our teens who are searching for like an identity, can easily find one on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And the person who should have the most influence over our identity is Christ. In Jeremy Pierre's book, The Dynamic Heart and Daily Life, Connecting Christ to the Human Experience, Jeremy says, people's constructed identity is their established self-image made up of complex arrangements of various conceptions, values, and commitments about who they are and what role they play in the world. A constructed identity is not intrinsically bad. In fact, it's necessary. Where it goes bad is if the perceptions become inaccurate. People do not consciously choose their constructed identity in every way, but they listen to the atmosphere of voices about what they ought to be and slowly absorb those values. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. They're listening to the voices out there in the atmosphere and slowly absorbing those values. Wow. Which is why we should be appealing to God's authority, Mm -hmm. not the authority of influencers. And we should be appealing to the given identity found in scriptures, which is far more valuable than a constructed identity. But sadly and disturbingly, other hugely popular trends on TikTok that you can imagine are playing out in similar ways, which include the affirmation of homosexuality, gender fluidity, oversexualization, the amount of, of a young and older age women wearing lingeries or bikinis and shaking their bodies on TikTok is unreal. Unreal. But there's other ones, self-love, extreme dieting and exercising, cheating on people at school. And what we'll discuss next is secularism, which means just everything that's separated from God and Christianity. It's, it's like, it's a huge list that seems mm-hmm. like never ending of the things on TikTok. For me, and I'm, I've tried to train the algorithm to go different ways. It's, it is a little bit challenging for me because I'm often interested in like the, I want to see the worst. The you know, reps. I want to see the bad stuff, but yet I'm not drawn to that. And so it's, it's very hard to, to do this, but I feel like it's just all sin. It's all vanity. You don't find good moral values being promoted on there. It is very hard to find. So, but thank you for those examples. They, I definitely agree. Having the maturity of years and the moderate knowledge and moderate confidence, you know, it's easy to see just how influenced young people can become when they see all this on TikTok. And unfortunately, no one pays much attention when influencers leave TikTok or they're leaving Instagram or they're leaving YouTube because the pressure of fame, the pressure to perform, create, post, and the hustle of keeping and gaining those followers is too much, right? So we look to these influencers, we think they're just magical. When they have a breakdown and they leave, you know, no one really talks about that. They just move on to the next influencer. Well, in a New York Post article from August of 2022 titled Champagne Problems, TikTok Influencers Battling Burnout, Exhaustion, One, an Exhaustion, sorry. So one influencer in that article states, quote, there's great things about it, 
that is being an influencer, citing the sponsored trips that she is offered and the clothes of our favorite brands that will ship to her, you know, for free. So she gets all this free stuff. She says, quote, but it's also extremely emotionally exhausting and not always worth it. So she goes on to tell the New York Post that she's actually leaving the platform and getting a, quote, real job. Found it interesting. She made $50,000 a year doing this, and she says that she worked 50 hours a week. So overall, that's not like extremely wealthy. Right. She got a lot of free stuff, but overall, depending on where you live, I mean, that's a good salary, but it's not like anything extremely over the top for working 50 hours. I think people think that Mm -hmm. they maybe only like that one video or four videos they post a day takes them an hour. That is not the case at all. So the article finishes after talking about all these little nuanced aspects, finishes with this quote from her, which I think is really worthy of repeating here on our podcast and the discussion of influencers. She says this, quote, it definitely comes across to people like champagne problems because it's the exact life so many people want to live. Uh, But it's this really crazy feeling like you are contributing to the demise of the world. Wow. That's super interesting. And I really, I commend her for speaking those feelings publicly. But I think, Kelly, we can listen to that. And I actually kind of take some encouragement from it. And I hope our listeners do too with what I'm about to say. Because I'm thinking about a Matthew um, 11, 28. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. And that hustle for followers, promoting brands, hyper-consumerism, and influencing others towards greed, envy, envy, and covetousness, it's, it's not only emptying, but it's evil. And it's just a burden. It really is a burden. And I truly hope that she gets to hear those words one day from Jesus. I hope that she knows and learns that there truly is rest in Christ. Yeah, I think that's just it. It's emptying, right? She says, you know, everybody wants to live this life, but there's, where's your purpose? Right. And then she says she feels like she's contributing to the demise of the world. That's right. That means like what what you're doing is evil. And it makes me think of, Matthew 18, 6, when Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. You know, Jesus was very protective of the young and the innocent, and it still holds true today. I've been so convicted by this verse because that whoever could be me as a mm-hmm. parent. That could be me who was leading a little one who believes in Christ to sin mm-hmm. by allowing TikTok or by, you know, letting them go do something, right? That is, that's something we have to wrestle with all the time as parents. That one has gotten me multiple times. It's one of those verses that keeps the fear of the Lord alive in my heart, yeah. for sure. Okay. So the second and last point we want to make today, now having this background information on TikTok, its algorithm, and its influencers are its gross promotion of secularism, deconstruction, and individualistic deism within the app. The promotion of self, the worship of self. Yeah, that's all. That's, that's, yeah, that's what we find That's there. what it is. Frankly, uh, what can be seen is exactly what Kelly walked through before. 
people with a little bit of Bible or Christian knowledge and a whole lot of confidence making truth claims against the faith, against scripture, and against Christians. Now, I want to acknowledge that the most unfortunate aspect of all of this is that as a church, we've just not done a great job at teaching what it means to actually follow Jesus and be a Christian to our young people. Now, there are a million 20-somethings who are purposefully trying to unlearn all that they have learned going to church on Sundays as a child. These young people maybe never saw what it looks like to wholeheartedly and sacrificially follow Christ. Maybe they were surrounded by hypocrites, but I mean, aren't we all hypocrites though? Or um, maybe they were hurt or abused by someone who claimed to be a Christian. And because of all these things, they don't want to walk away and say, oh, well, Christianity isn't for me. No, they want to unlearn it. Essentially, meaning they want to learn and embrace the opposite of the biblical way in order to recognize the world's way is definitely better. I mean, take purity, for example. They were taught that sex is only for marriage between a man and a woman. Even more, purity means that a woman shouldn't show off her body to gain attraction from men, but rather practice modesty. Well, in order to fully embrace progressivism, open and free sexuality, homosexuality, and feminism, one would have to unlearn the truth of scripture and replace it with the world's lies. I mean, you can imagine what unlearning this would look like, especially when it's showcased in a 15 to 60 second video. Oh, yeah. That's a super important key point, because if you have the knowledge still in you of the the moral uh, foundation of scripture that you learned as a child, and you go and engage in all of these sinful things of the world, you'll always have that subtle conviction. So unless you, quote, unlearn it, which I'm not even sure if that's possible, you can't fully go into all these sinful ways of the world with, with peace in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so this is what they're trying to do. Let me act like I never learned God's moral law. I mean, it's like Pharaoh. Let me act like I never saw like my, you know, my empire swamped by toads or like gnats or boils or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But his heart was hardened. Do we really want that for our kids? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's right. You're right. It's so much easier to justify everything when there are many people on the wide road with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another key point is they don't want to just unlearn it themselves. They want others to unlearn along with them, which is why they're sharing their journey on TikTok. It's because they want everyone else to know what it is that they're doing. And, and I know some people may provide this rebuttal. They may say, well, Christians who are on TikTok trying to evangelize and teach people the gospel, right? Well, aren't they doing the same thing? They're making truth claims and trying to convert others. Granted, I don't know how many Christians are on the platform with this sole goal, but I think the, the bottom line is that everyone on the platform has an agenda. They want their message heard. They want to be seen or they're just trying to monetize it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on it. It's almost always about fame or money. So the key to bringing the reality of pro-deconstruction and anti-evangelicalism on TikTok is for parents to realize that without a foundation of apologetics, that is, knowing the truths of Christianity and how to defend it, A lot of kids with lukewarm faith will be washed away in worldly ideologies promoted on the platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've said this already, and I'm going to go back here again. What's most concerning for me as a parent is the subtleness of the lies that can seep in. So one example that we found um, on TikTok as we did some research 
is you can find a lot of Mormons, right, the Church of LDS, talking about, quote, the scriptures and providing convincing arguments about the scriptures. But without someone having, like, knowledge of biblical Christianity and having, like, critical thinking, discernment to recognize that the LDS church has a second gospel, right? That's why they say scriptures in plural. It's not because it's like, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they have four books that they follow. So this could lead to some serious confusion. If you're like, oh, all of my TikTok algorithm is like super Christian and it's all, it's okay. And all of a sudden someone subtly swoops in with LDS ideologies that can cause some confusion because ultimately that's just heresy. The LDS and what they teach in regard to their doctrine and covenants, the pearl of great price, those, that has nothing to do with biblical historic Christianity. So, you know, another example that we see on there is, you know, someone who has a lot of high confidence, but they have low biblical hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is just a fancy word to, um, for how we read, interpret, and apply scripture, right? So they have low hermeneutics. They attempt to explain why homosexuality is actually, in fact, biblical, but they sound so confident. And then your team can be like, hmm, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds right. I mean, that is what the scripture says, you know, but they're not, <laughs> they're not applying true hermeneutics to it to read and interpret and apply that scripture appropriately. Another video I saw uh, was of a man who was making claims that the Bible cannot be trusted because the trans of, of the translation, because it was spoken by Jesus in Aramaic, and it was written in Greek, and then it was translated to the King James Version of English, and then American English. But they sound so confident, you know, so easily someone can begin to question, oh, can I, can I not trust this anymore? But there are so, scholars have for centuries done so much work in uh, authentically translating the scriptures from the Greek, from the Hebrew. There are even websites you can go to, to go back to the Greek and Hebrew and read what those words meant and how and why it was translated into the way that it is now. Mm -hmm. But here's what we have. We have people with high confidence and low knowledge, or at least low accuracy, subtly injecting doubts and unbelief into our children's hearts. I know we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but it's kind of just marinating in my mind right now. But, and, I, and I think it kind of applies. But personally, I've always seen like social media and the Roman amphitheater to be analogous. It's a large gathering of people coming together regularly for the sake of entertainment, right? It's combative. People are thrown out. There's winners. There's losers. There's a flurry of emotions. The crowds go wild for more. The scenes get more and more barbaric because what once used to be entertaining, right, has long since passed. And I think it's Vody Bauckham, who says, we can't keep sending our kids to Caesar and act surprised when they come home Roman, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy is after your children. He's after mine. He's after Kelly's. He's after our kids because they're the next generation of Christians. We talked about what that Matthew verse, you know, keeping us accountable. Well, I mean, just that image of Satan on a mission for my kids' hearts and souls and minds, that keeps me on my toes too. And it should grieve our hearts for the number of kids who have been put on the front lines of the games to keep with my analogy. And we should be doing all that we can to pour the word of God into our kids so that they can use the word as a sword, like it's described in Ephesians 6, 
because that's the only offensive weapon that we have in this world. It is the word of God. Ultimately, we're going to be faced with the decision of whether we allow TikTok or not. I know that this is a burning question in the hearts of the brave parents who are listening. So does this mean I should not allow TikTok ever, right? Or my kids already have TikTok. Should I take it away? Let me first say, if in your heart and soul, you immediately think that you don't want to allow TikTok, but quickly, you know, you wrestle with the reality of how hard that's going to be to say no or to take it away. I urge you, please pray for the Lord's strength and the conviction of heart to effectively say no and to do this hard work. Because I think most of us in our heart and soul immediately say, I don't want to allow TikTok. But then quickly, we just, oh, it's going to be so hard. This fight, this battle, it's, oh, you know, that's all my kids want. It ostracizes them socially. And then we talk ourselves out of it. We convince ourselves that our initial conviction was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I know that every, every child is different um, in regard to what they can handle and their own discernment and their knowledge and their confidence, all of that. But Chelsea and I can tell you confidently that our kids, or at least the kids that are still in my house who are under 18, they're not on TikTok. Nope. And I, honestly, my kids are doing fine with their social lives without it. So I don't, I mean, it is more work up front. It is I more work. I will be honest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more scheduled playdates or parties or whatever you want to say. But I think it's completely worth it in the end. It is. And, you know, I have older teens. And I can tell you, I know they see TikTok videos. Their friends can text them a funny TikTok video. And I've, I've talked about this before. But it's not on their phone. Like the app is not on their phone. They are not going to get an algorithm tailored just to them based on what it is that they're watching and scrolling. And that influence isn't necessarily there. They kind of just get the highlight reel from their friends or what they see online. But that algorithm is not after them in a way. That's kind of how I view it, right? So it's not on their phones. It's not that they don't know what TikTok is. They definitely do. They've definitely seen the videos. And I will also give this caveat. TikTok is the only um, social media app where you know teens are so saturated that actually has parental controls and that are effective and their password to protect it, right? I think that that's awesome. And I'm, I'm thankful. I am so thankful that these protections are offered. And I pray that more parents would utilize them because so many parents don't. Uh, ultimately though, like I said before, you just have to evaluate your own children. You have to evaluate their faith, their knowledge, their confidence, their critical thinking skills before deciding whether or not to allow the app on your child's phone. I have junior girls, 17 years old, who will ask me, pray that I can just get off TikTok, that I can delete the app and keep it off my phone. So, But these are discerning girls. These are girls who love the Lord and yeah, they have it, but they already recognize. And that can be valuable. You know, if you feel like your child is at a place where they can learn and get on there and realize on their own, I don't need this. This isn't good for me. But that's hard. It's hard. And it's hard for them to get off. The fact that they need prayer to get off should also give us pause. Right. It should concern us that at 17 years old, they're already fighting kind of like addictions. Yeah. Essentially is what it what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing is, does it add any value to their life? I don't know, Kel. I mean, I feel like if these girls are asking to get off of it, they find that it's just sugar and it's not meat, right? It's not. It's not. It's vanity. It's yeah. I think that they can recognize and the Holy Spirit is revealing in them that it's probably bringing about thoughts that are not holy. 
it's bringing about desires that are not honoring to God. Right. You know, it may even influence them to behaviors that do not glorify God. Well, and if they're asking for prayer, saying like, you know, help me, you know, pray that I would that I would get off of it. I would pray that the parents of these girls would model what it looks like to put to actually repent and walk away from something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all struggle with that as in a community, like to actually like completely delete something, to completely get rid of something. And then I'd also say for the parents listening who have younger kids who are not yet asking for TikTok or or don't have a phone of their own, may we just suggest biblical worldview training. Because the earlier uh, that you can establish a biblical worldview in, the, in your kids, it's going to make them get to a point where they may not even ask for TikTok because they already know <laughs> that that is, does not align with their biblical worldview that they have. Mm-hmm. It may not always be the case, but it can be the case. One recommendation that we have is Foundations Worldview. You can find them at foundationsworldview.org. They have fantastic resources to equip equip parents to teach that biblical worldview to children. It's, it's really great. She has videos, webinars, um, a book of the month club to help teach worldview. It's really great. It is targeted more towards like 12 and under, but, yeah. um, but Elizabeth Urbanowitz um, started that and it's really, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's true. I think the more you can instill a biblical worldview in, in the younger years, the easier it is in the teen years when they're like establishing their identity because you've you've been appealing to that given identity more in their their younger years and so they they in turn appeal to it as well yeah like you said as they listen and absorb the voices in the atmosphere yeah right when you are living out a biblical worldview that is what they are naturally absorbing right and translating into their value system and into their own moral compass and how they view everything in the world Secularism is just having, um, you know, God completely out of the picture. And so if you're living your life with God completely out of the picture, we can't be surprised when they want and love all things like TikTok related. It's because they've just absorbed it. So there's a lot of work. Parenting is hard. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It's really hard. We're not diminishing that at all. But we want to present to you at least a different aspect of TikTok so that you can go into this with an insight and your eyes opened and have this greater understanding of this insidious and what I would say are long-term issues associated with TikTok and culture because it can so easily derail kids into deconstruction, unlearning everything that you've taught them when they become a young adult. And that's heartbreaking. I know parents whose kids are deconstructing and it is heartbreaking um, for them. So hopefully realize that this, you are not fighting a losing battle. I think so many parents feel like I've tried fighting it and I just feel like this is a losing battle. There is so much value in fighting for truth, fighting for, for childhood innocence, fighting for that biblical worldview. Awesome. Well, that really ties it up here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts that you have? If you've seen things on TikTok, trends that maybe we didn't talk about, hey, we'd love to hear about them. There's so much <laughs> going on on that app we couldn't possibly touch on every single popular trend. So we'd love to hear from you, but thank you for tuning in. Share these TikTok podcasts with friends who are having similar struggles, keeping their children on this narrow path. And um, if you have time, we would love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you find us on that helps other people find the podcast, helps that wonderful algorithm 
that is out there in the world leading people to podcasts. So thank you, Chelsea. Great to have you here. And until next time, friends, go and be brave. <laughs>